Forgot to look up the angel number episode. Hey, 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 no angel number. Angel number. No one. No All right, hey, we are Unspoken Words, and this is episode 159 in the Mother Loving House. And over here to my left, all away from El Jesus, number 83 in the place to be. And he ain't even trying to preach. He's the pod god, Randy B. Say hoka hey. Hoka hey. Ahu, ahu, all the way from El Jesus. And over here to my right, all the way from Babu, and I know, I know, I know, he is your ace, your hoeing one, your favorite Indian, JCB from up the road. Say, okay, hey. Told you we'd get it in. Okay, hey, little big man. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> sorry, my mind was also, okay, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you come lay on soft furs in my teepee? <laughs> <laughs> And across the way from me tonight, special guest, special host, co-host in the house, um, Chester. Chester Cheese. What else did we say? Uh, what did you guys say? What did we say? I was trying to remember today. I couldn't remember. Man, I haven't listened to that episode in a long time. Aloysius Alfredo, a.k.a. Craig Doney, is in the house peer-to-peer. Mr. Peer-to-peer. Say shoulder. Shoulder. Hey. Hey, hey. Get a bread on the mic there, sir, please. Oh, oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, and you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek. Hey. <laughs> and we are unspoken words. So tonight, um, I forgot what we're gonna get into. No, I'm just kidding. We're getting into the eleventh well brady tradition. Um <clears throat> Well, let's do a quick check-in, man, to see how everybody's week is going. I'll go first, and then we'll go around the horn. You know, just a few sentences. Uh, week has been pretty busy for me, which is good. I like busy. But seriously, I can't even believe that. Like, I mean, we're only two weeks away from Thanksgiving. I'm like, dang, I thought summer just now got over. So I've been kind of in that bewilderment of the transition from uh Halloween to Thanksgiving, but um, yeah, other than that, things are things are alright. Things are cool. Uh, <clears throat> work's going good. Uh, I can't really complain too much about anything. With that, I'll pass it over to oh, Pud Gutty. This is pass it over, Pud Gutty. Oh, man, I'm I'm just happy it's Thursday. I'm happy it's a three day weekend. Been a long week. 
but I'm happy it's Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's been full, man. But yeah, that's all I got. All right. Luke's been good. Back on track. (laughs) (laughs) Weather's been good. (laughs) No secret. What about the humidity? How's the humidity this week? (laughs) Humidity. Really dry. (laughs) But I'm back on track. What's the barometer at? (laughs) (laughs) No, week's been really good. Um, At the clinic, we're doing a transition into our new building, the Eagle Seeker. So medical has been down, and I've been holding down the fort myself for answering the phone. So just been extremely busy. Oh, wow. Right on. Busy is good, though. Yes, it is. You, sir. <clears throat> oh, oh, well, um, well, I have an ingrown toenail that's been bothering me, and I got this unexplained rash. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what started. No, uh. The week was, well, the beginning of the week was pretty chill. I mean, it was kind of boring at work because I I was on uh, a restriction because I heard my, one of my getaway sticks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, man, I can't just stand there and, like, stand there and work. I got to do my job because then I can run around and, you know, be more active. But today I went back. I did it by myself again, just like the old days. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of work, kind of tough being the first day back after about like almost a week and a half. Oh, for real? Yeah. From when you tore your calf? Yeah. Dang. Damn, you're out that long? Well, I would see. Didn't you go back last Thursday? I did, but I, they wouldn't, they they said light duty for a week, which Uh. is basically just standing there doing boring stuff. So, but today, uh, one of my coworkers didn't show up, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I, I got this. I mean, I've done it before. I did it for like more than like, I'd say 15, 16 months by myself. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of a rough day to get, you know, back into the swing of things, but it's me, bro. Got so this. But other than that, you know, pretty chill. I mean, it's just hanging on by a very thin thread. Buckle, just emotionally and spiritually. Spiritually. And, and metaphorically, <laughs> we're all hanging by a very thin thread. Metaphorically speaking, metaphorically speaking, we all wear masks <laughs> emotionally, physically, and metaphorically. Uh. Yeah. I really struggle metaphorically. <laughs> really I struggle. So <laughs> yeah, I was just struggling metaphorically today. You know. This entire week. Just couldn't grasp it. (laughs) (laughs) This entire week I haven't been myself, metaphorically speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Just couldn't get a grasp on anything. (laughs) I was literally being metaphorical. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Literally. <laughs> <But no. laughs> the metaphorical mask. We all wear masks. We all wear masks. Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> that was one of my favorite shows back in the day, man. I went and watched it a few years back, and man, it bugged me. I was like, "Dang, this show is nuts!" Like just. 
how off the wall it is. That the way he acts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That and uh, Ace Ventura is like watching that movie. I'm like, this guy's a fucking goofball. Yeah, <laughs> Over the top. Like that part that was kind of like freaked me out. Remember she that um, oh, I forget her name. Is it Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Like she's supposedly singing on the stage, and then he turns into a dog, and he's like, woo, 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 woo. Yeah. He's like, what? Now I was thinking, I was like. If you were like today, like a real like an adult, and you seen that happening on the table next to you, you'd freak out and like get the hell out of there, you yeah. know. <laughs> but as a kid, you know, that's like that cartoon stage. You're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, hey, let's do let's go do a tried and true to storytelling. We'll go around the horn, um, get a little warmed up, get a little loosey goosey. Uh so here's uh. Give me a premise. I'll start it out. I'll kick it off, and we'll go to the left. We need a premise. Premise. A premise. Post Halloween. Post Halloween. Almost Thanksgiving. Man, they already got Christmas stuff. That's what I hear. What? What the hell? You? We haven't even finished our Halloween candy, and now I got to go Christmas shopping. Hey, that's the premise right there. We haven't even finished our Halloween candy. We got to go Christmas shopping. There you go. See hey, that? All right. Skip Thanksgiving. <clears throat> yeah. Like apparently, okay. Thanks taking. Don't be a settleizer. <laughs> <laughs> no turkeys. No settleizer terminology here. No bird around here. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <clears throat> <laughs> so I lost my Halloween candy, so I was looking forward to some Thanksgiving treats, but then I heard Christmas carols, and I just started crying. <laughs> Because I know I'll hear Mariah Carey's song soon. And I can't stand that bitch. Because it just reminds me of her. Hey, this is a family show. (laughs) (laughs) That went off the rails, bro. Real quick. My bad. (laughs) I'm going to start rebuking you. (laughs) I blame myself. I blame myself. Uh, you got some some fresh wounds or something going on here. Let, let's let's dive into this. <laughs> I got wounds, metaphorically speaking. I have wounds, metaphorically speaking. Something surfacing. More. Yeah, tell us more about this. Tell me more. Tell us more about this female dog in heat. <laughs> well, Mariah Carey was this uh, singer back in the early '90s, and uh, she never did call me back. Nay. I tried, I tried, I went to her house several times, I even camped outside. That witch! That witch, I know, right? Mm. And to top it all off, she had me arrested. Mm. Several times, in fact. We've all been there. And um, (laughs) I think I got pepper sprayed, I got beaten with batons, Uh, let's see what else. All that just proves you love her even more. I know. Exciting. That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. (laughs) She wouldn't listen to reason. <laughs> so now I just skip Christmas altogether because all I want for Christmas is you bulls. <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't want you. Apparently that you is not me, so <laughs> Yeah, Fuck you. <laughs> you is never me. It's always you. It's always you. It's never me. Yeah. Mm. It's There's always gonna be another you. And it took it's me usually uncle twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually him. 
It's never you, it's never me, it's him. It's him that you did it. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> What's his name? What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> well, we're, I'm trying to help you heal here. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it took me 25 years to get over that, and now he just brought up some old wounds, and I think I just relapsed. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically. Yeah, I can see you're really struggling today, metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. How can you get a handle on this? Well, I've been having intervention thoughts. Yeah. Such as, you're lost, baby. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And... This one's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, but I'll get you back someday. So this is like a remix. This is like a remix, you know. Yeah. You're lost with a T or with the S. Sometimes you're off, sometimes you're on, sometimes you know, you're kind of in the middle. Yeah. But but you never want to give it up. You never want to hey, man, there's Yo. always hope. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's, there's a, a chance. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd Christmas. Lloyd Christmas. No. Another, We're back on track on Christmas. Another <laughs> good movie. Yeah. I'll go on all those IOUs. She'll <laughs> cash them in someday. <laughs> yeah. We're good for those. Every one of those. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> we were way off. That was good. <laughs> so how does the story end? Well, I think we reconcile this idea of uh, Mariah Carey MC singing the song, and then we just enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas in a good way, in that way. Oh, that was laid out before oh. us. Oh, 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 by our oh. Middle Eastern brother. I feel better. I feel. I feel clean. I feel cleansed. Yeah, metaphoric. Metaphoric. Well, metaphorically. I feel metaphorically cleansed. Of course. It's always good to cleanse your metaphors. (laughs) Not just physically and emotionally, but metaphorically. What's a metaphor? (laughs) Nothing. What's a metaphor for you? (laughs) You not only smudge for your emotional, physical, and spiritual. But you're metaphor. <laughs> Meta- metaphorical. You're metaphorical. Oh, ho. Oh, ho. That's, that's oh. right in the center. <laughs> Four directions in the center. <laughs> the metaphorical. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere, but I know. <laughs> it's going to shaft you, but you're struggling metaphorically. So. <laughs> Your innards are struggling. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have Taco Bell too? (laughs) (laughs) Metaphorically speaking, yes. Yes, yes. We all have Taco Bell, (laughs) metaphorically speaking. (laughs) uh, I seen a meme a while back. It said that it's cool when action heroes walk away from what they just now exploded. And there's like, you know, like whatever these movie stars walking away. And then there's like this guy walking out of a Taco Bell bathroom. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, mm. beater. Mm. 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 Pictured ah. in my mind, very, ah. very metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, are you guys feeling warmed up? <clears throat> well, I 
don't think we beat that word to death. Metaphorically but. speaking, yes. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You ready to get into the topic metaphorically? <laughs> metaphorically, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this then. So, <clears throat> DJ, why don't you hit me with that beat? Yo, let's get into our topic. Yo, let's get into our topic. Season. Yeah, you ruined it metaphorically. Oh, what did I do? Literally. At least we healed you from your trauma. Yeah. Literally. I'm glad we were able to dive into that on a live show. See, that's what we do here. We we, we help each other. Yeah. I know I have no longer have those rocks to carry. Mm. Yep. Those, Mariah Carey. Those, that's what I was <laughs> those rocks of Mariah Carey. Um, no, that's good. You're on the road to healing from that old wound. <laughs> uh, so here we are. We are in episode 159. We are on spoken words, and we're going to jump right into this 11th Wellbriety tradition. And it states each group member is carrying the message of their recovery. This message. Cannot be hidden. And with that, I <clears throat> um, really want to open it up to y'all. Your experience or just kind of whatever, I guess, whatever's hitting you as we, you know, thinking about this throughout the week, preparing for this, what was coming to you. Just open it up to whoever wants to jump in right now. Well, don't all talk at once. <laughs> I know. But I, <clears throat> I'll 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 take this opportunity to let you know what I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> yeah, um, the thing, like, well, <laughs> as I was thinking about this earlier, you know, every everybody has their story to tell. Everybody has their their recovery story, the message, and it can't be hidden. And I just don't know why I kept going back to it, man. But I was like, it's like some, a lot, like, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about last time. Remember, like, uh, the people that get it, they really latch on to it. And the people that don't, they don't, there's just like that block. Like, they don't want to listen or they don't, you know, they're always coming up with things like excuses or whatever. And thinking back on it, I'm like, wow. Even if the message isn't hidden, and I guess I kind of really kind of got pessimistic about it for some reason for there, but just for a minute, just for a minute, hold on, bear with me. But uh, it's like, man, you could listen to it. Like when I listen to other people's stories, like I always get something out of it. It doesn't matter if they're six months, six years, you know, 16 years, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but. I I know, man, I've seen a lot of people, like, listen to the same thing I just listened to and not get a damn thing out of it. And so, and so, you know, like, the the then this is just the pessimistic part of me. I must have been in a bad mood or something when I was thinking about this, but I'm like, 
even though the message can be hidden, it's like, it's like, man, why, why? I don't know. I guess it really comes down to is like, why don't people pay more attention? Why don't people glean whatever they can off of it? Mm-hmm. It's like get to that, you know. It goes to that point where like, man, why don't you get it? And that's on me. That's a, that's like my whole. That's a, that. I mean, that's my own issue. Um, I don't even know what that would be. Maybe the the there's a thinking error in there, but I just can't think of which one it is. No, I feel you. But uh, I'm the same. I'm the same. But um, as I kind of thought more about it, I was like, I you know, I I flipped the script on that, and I'm like, well, you know what? <clears throat> I always keep telling myself, and I you know say this on the podcast all the time. It's like you never know what you say and when you say it. That person that hasn't been listening might just kind of, oh, what did he just say? Yeah. And then it's like, boom, light bulb goes off. And then, you know, they start, even in that moment, without them even realizing it, they start their, their journey. They start their, their journey, uh, recovery journey. Mm-hmm. And so rather than trying to see that as, I don't know, I, I don't want to say a waste of time because that's not how I feel about it. But for a second there, that's how I was thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. But. It's like, man, you just got to keep doing that. Like, like I like that whole part about, like, it can't be hidden. And, we, you know, there ain't no hiding here. Like, any, anybody and everybody that's been on this podcast knows that this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And we put ourselves out there like that. And hopefully, at the very least, you know, to kind of lead the way, even if you don't, uh, not really open about it. But at least you go to like say AA or NA or somewhere else, like you know where it's anonymous. Because to me, I don't. I think this this it kind of. I never associated with anonymity. Oh, the podcast. No, no. Well, that too, but like that that tradition. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But now that I think about it, I mean that's kind of not true too, right? Like if you go and share your story and you share your message, it is inside a room, right? Yeah. Usually. But. Like, I'm not like that, and I know you guys aren't like that either. You guys are free and willing to, you know, freely give that away yeah. to anybody who wants to listen. So, I mean, I'll just stop right there because I thought about this a lot, and I just, man, I just bounced all over the place. Like, Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So, when I was sitting there thinking about this, I remember when I was sitting in jail, and this dude that I met in the rooms was sitting across from me and he was basically asking me like why don't I go to more meetings and he was like you know that you're killing someone right now he's like metaphorically speaking (laughs) (laughs) he was saying because your message is such a strong message someone will gain experience and hope from it that you're you're taking that gift away from somebody that might cling cling on that I might be able to recover. Mm. So when I think about this tradition, I think about that conversation I had and the realization that I can't hide my message, that it might not make sense to you, but it might make sense to him and it might save his life. That might be what keeps him in his seat and Mm. that might keep him seated down and stay there. So, yeah, um, I don't believe 
like it should not be hidden. We should all be sharing, even if it doesn't, you don't think it's relative to what the topic is. Yeah. Just still say what is on your mind because you know for a fact that somebody in that room is going through exactly what you're going through. And that's what kept me. When when I think about all these big people I looked up to in early recovery and I realized that they were struggling the same way I'm struggling and the reason why they are able to get through what they're going through is through listening to other people. Mm. Like the rooms teach me how to live sober. Like I can quit drinking any day of the week, but the rooms, the stories and the hope is what keeps me grounded to a point where I'm able to take what they're saying and transform it to what I'm going through and able to continue going through that same struggle. And yeah, that, that's that, that conversation is what came to mind when I first thought of that. I know. I like that <clears throat> made more sense than I did. Yeah. Yes. Touche. <laughs> Both of you guys. Ditto. <clears throat> no, I, I think it, I, I don't, I really don't think this is too deep. I think it's just like, you know, like each member is carrying the message of their recovery, like what worked for them. Like, and I'm reminded like a light can't be hidden right on top of a hill. Mm. Um, and it's really your lifestyle that speaks. And it, it reminds me of another verse where it says like your written epistles known and read of all men, meaning it's how you conduct yourself, how you live your life that really speaks louder than what we say. But I also were reminded of a conversation that I was a part of about a year or so ago when they, um, we're asking a couple of my coworkers at the time, like, did you want to partake in this? And one of the guys was like, well, I don't want to be the face of recovery because what if I fall? And it's like, I think like for me with my mentality, I'm like, man, if you're already thinking that eventually you are going to fall because that came out of your mouth. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're already like, you're setting yourself up for failure. And like, for me, it's like, man, like, this is what I am. This is what I'm living. The people that I'm in contact with, the people that know me, know the lifestyle that I used to live. And mm -hmm. it's really, you know, that that speaks louder than what I say. And if I can show people through my example that life does get better, even when it's hard, they automatically see that. Yeah. Like we become that light in a dark place, right? Like people know us. People know us wherever we go. Like our respective communities, our respective, you know, um, bounds of habitation, if you will. Like the people that we're connected to, like they know what we used to do, but they also know that we don't do that no more. It's kind of yeah. like, remember, smoke signals when they're like, oh, give me a beer. Like, oh, we stopped drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me a Coke. Then. Yeah, yeah, like that. You know, like it really becomes like a complete lifestyle change. And I think that's what it means by this message cannot be hidden. But also my mind goes to another place where it's like each group member is carrying the message of their recovery, meaning like there are many pathways to recovery. And then like when you read the Rowbriety book, he's talking about like being respectful of all like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like being respectful of all, like all walks of life, because at the end of the day, and I know it sounds corny, but it's like there's one race, the human race. Mm -hmm. But it's like, man, if we show, like, for me, it's like, man, like, if I can show by my example what I'm doing on a daily basis, 
then somebody somewhere who's watching will admire what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I become that hope for them. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm rem- like, the first year of my sobriety, like, man, I remember coming up on six months, and I said it before, but I saw one of my friends, like, just celebrate a year. And even though he didn't really say anything, and he's really not a big recovery guy, like, his whole life, like, transformed. You know, he went from this, like, and I... I use it metaphorically, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like went from this one person and then really transformed into something else by physic, like physically working out, you know, but like to me that spoke and I'm like, man, like, I don't know what this guy has, but I want that. Like I've never been to a year before. Mm. So I want what he has. I want to see what it's like to get a year of sobriety. Mm. And that became my goal. And that's kind of like what I think about. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for sharing. That was a good episode. All right. Shouldn't <laughs> no, that was good, man. What you guys were all saying is like right on point and <clears throat> some good stuff. Um, when I think about this, you know, I think since the beginning, since uh, September 9th, 2015, when I went into detox and that evening, man, I was in bad shape. Bad shape, you know, I was <clears throat> had the cold sweats, anxiety through the roof. And I've shared this before on podcasts and it was just the RT, you know, rehabilitation tech that sat at the foot of my bed, and he just shared his story. He didn't ask me to, or I didn't ask him to. Uh, he was just doing, you know, this 11th tradition. You know, he was sharing his experience, strength, and hope, and he told me a story, and then he told me about what his life looks like now. <clears throat> and I was laying there, and I was in bad shape, you know, I was in a bad way, and but that sparked hope in me because I, man, I was like, man, I want that. I'd rather have that life than laying here in this bed, you know, tired as hell, wanting to go to sleep, and so tired and but scared to go to sleep because mm. I didn't know if I was going to wake up, you know, that type of anxiety. I didn't. <clears throat> I said I want that life instead of you know being here in this bed, and so that was the hope. I was like, okay, then I want to do what he's doing. I want to help because that's what he was doing. He was helping me by sharing his strength, his experience, and his hope with me that that night, in the middle of the night. It was like 2, 3 in the morning. And he didn't have to do that, you know, And but he did. And I was like, okay, that's that's the model. That's the formula here that I want to follow. And I want to um, share my story. I want to wear my recovery on my sleeve. And, you know, that's been the mission ever since. Uh, ultimately, that <clears throat> that's what it boils down to for me. And, you know, that's what, you know, sparked this 11th tradition and sparked in me into the drive for this podcast. Because I, you know, Randy, JC, and all our guests, Craig here, on the co-host tonight, uh, returning guests now co-hosts, and it's we all wear our recovery on our sleeve. We're all down to share with anybody. Yeah, got a recovery tattoo. I got mine right here. Um, That's dope. And it's like <clears throat> we're all down to wear our recovery on our sleeve. We're all down to sit down with anybody and talk recovery at any moment at any time of day. 
You know, there's been numerous times in these three years that I'm stopping off at the gas station, one of the gas stations downtown here, to grab to grab our tall cans. You know, <laughs> tall cans of sweet tea or whatever whatever I'm buying that day. Um, tall cans of uh, Arnold Palmer's, but. <clears throat> More often times than not, there's someone in there that recognizes me and they come over and they talk my ear off for like 10 minutes, five minutes about recovery. Um, or they have a loved one that's in addiction. They ask for advice. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what you need to do. You know, just give them some suggestions like, okay. And a lot of times it's like, oh, I want, they want to go to treatment. What do we got to do? Okay, boom, I know exactly what you need to do. You need to get get a chemical dependency evaluation. That's the very first thing. So schedule that. Get that done. And then you go from there. Whatever the diagnosis is, whatever the counselor recommends, then you go do that. Have them do that. Okay, yeah, where can we go? And I say, okay, you can go up here. You can go here, 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 or here. You know, get that done. It don't even matter where you get that CD valve done. Just get that done. Um. And I've had these conversations inside gas stations, and there's people, you know, walking around and looking at us. Like, how come they're talking about that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, but I'm willing to do that because because of that RT that came and sat on my bed that night. Um, <clears throat> and this guy became one of my close friends afterwards. Um, but eventually, like, he went back out, and that was a tough thing. That was a real tough thing to go through. Um, and, like, he went back out and, like, he went full-blown. Like, he's sitting in prison now. And that's crazy to me, you know. And that, that goes to show, you know, that our addiction is very cunning, baffling, and powerful. Um, the guy that came and sat on my bed and shared his experience, strength, and hope is sitting in prison right now. Because he went back out. And that's like, you know, that was a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow right now. But, you know, I pray for this individual and he gets back on. You know, comes back out of there stronger and ready to row. So I'm going to call upon him, you know. Because I ain't going to give up on this guy. Um, <clears throat> so that's what, I mean, just kind of just some things that were on my mind that came to my mind on this. That... I feel like through the podcast, we're living this out. <clears throat> See, yeah, you guys brought up some some really good things that I can probably rip off of. But, you know, that's the thing, you know, is I can't give up on me. I can't give up on you either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because it it took me a while to kind of get it. And my hope for everyone is that they get it the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be ideal. But at the same time, you know, like I was, I, I told you guys before, I can't even remember where I heard it. this this old guy say it. I think it was in one of the jails or something. But he said, you can't give up on even the worst of the worst. Because he's the one that told me, you never know what you can say might, you know, mm. might affect them. And, and I won't, I can't. Because all I want for those people, the people, is to, you know, put that shit away. Because, you know, you're you're talking about this 
the one that kind of inspired you going back to prison. And man, I, I know what that's like, dude. I know what that's like to be there. It, it sucks. And I don't want, I don't want anybody to have to go through that. And if you already been through it, and I don't want you to go through that shit again. Cause that's, I mean, especially as indigenous people, man, we weren't built for the places like that. We're we're free. It's in our blood to be free out and about. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm I'm not saying you know go all buck wild or willy nilly or some shit, but you know we were meant to be free, mm-hmm. to roam our land. And that sounded real secret. Oh, home on the range. <laughs> that was very metaphorical. <laughs> but so I the mean, deer and, the and that's the roam. thing. That's the thing too. So when I tell when I talk to people, I'm like, hey man. I'll always support you. I'll always be your biggest cheerleader. I'll always try to help you. But it's like Randy said, you know, a lot of people can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really it comes down to do, do, do. And, you know, to put one foot in front of the other and just do what you can with what you have today. But, you know, um, and I know some people that are really close to me that, I think that's probably where I got that, you know, kind of got cynical about it at first. Yeah. Because it's like, man, I just get frustrated and I want them to be okay because I love them so much. I was like, man, I won't, <laughs> I won't say what I was thinking right there, but, you know, just like get it, get it through your head, basically. But it doesn't work like that. As much as I want, I wish, I wish it did do it. Like if, if that was all it took, I don't think, I think we'd all be okay, right? We wouldn't even have this podcast. Yeah, or it'd be some. It would be about something else, but hot dogs. <laughs> but as they say, glizzies. A glizzy. You know what that is? Uh-uh. It's a Glock. Glizzy. Mm. Yeah, a glizzy is a Glock. A glizzy is a hot dog in today's terms. Wow, big, big a, hot dog. A Glock, has right? A, a Glock. Home wrecker. Home wreckers. Well, that's why you're on the cut list. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I don't know where that came from. I just that just uh, a reaction. That was that's prison me. Anyway, so yeah, Glizzy has a clip the size of a hot dog bun. They say so. That's where that came from. Yeah. Mm. So it fits in the butt. <laughs> Did you say fits in the butt? <laughs> bun. Oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> You're getting too metaphorical. Right? <laughs> That's what I heard. Too. That's what I heard. I know. Dog, what you got? I said, so it fits in the bun. <laughs> I heard it fits in the butt. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> I know what you're doing. You guys all look at you like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, bring it all together here. Okay, bring it. I'm sorry, man. That I'm sorry. Okay, I apologize <laughs> for all that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like it just. I mean, I can't give up on you. I won't give up on you ever, because you're worth it. I mean, you are. You got a lot of power. You got a lot of strength. You got a lot of strength. You got a lot. You know, resilience. And and everybody has that. You know, something that they can offer the world. But not only that, to offer. You know. The people out there that are struggling too. Yeah. Right? Like, 
if you're listening to this and, and you're just now starting out or, you know, you don't think that you have that in you to be that light on top of the hill, that inspiration that mm-hmm. talks to somebody in the middle of the night, that person that tells you one thing that just sticks with you, but that that's wrong because you are. Yeah. Right? Because you doesn't like I I always go back to this because it doesn't even matter. Like if you got six days or six years, mm-hmm. if you're walking, you're walking and you're valuable. Not yeah. only to yourself and to us, but to all the people that are struggling too. Yeah. And it just goes back, you know, and, and, and the other thing too that I wanted to touch on was that, you know, uh how Craig was saying these people that he looked up to, they still have issues and I still do too, right? Like, I mean, we all do. We all go through some shit because that's just life. Yeah. It's not always like that. Don't get me wrong. Like, life is good. Life is awesome. Otherwise, well, what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> but to learn how to stay sober, and if you can tell somebody anything, even if you don't think it's, like he said, relevant, doesn't have to be super profound, doesn't have to be like these crazy words of wisdom, like yeah. a lot of times, like when I'm talking, I don't, I'm basically kind of only one half a step ahead of my, my, my brain as I'm trying to figure it out. But like you can, you can be that for, for other people. Oh, yeah. And like I, to me, that's like one of the, one of the awesomest things you can do because I always say, you know, I don't want people to go through the things that I've been through. I don't want them to put their family through the things that I've been, you know, my family's been through. Yeah. All that all that negative shit. So, like, I mean, I, I, I wish that on anybody. So the opposite of that is to say, okay, this is how I do it. This is what I'm doing. This is what I think about what you just said. You know, just whatever. Like, and my bad, my hang-up is, like, I get it in my head. Like, man, I just have to fix them, but I can't. No, I feel you on that because, like, <clears throat> you know, running talking circles for five years, there's always... The ones that, you know, they're coming and then, you know, they're coming for a while, but all they're doing is venting. But then, then they take that next step of really sharing from the heart and being vulnerable in a meeting and like really diving into their, their recovery, what they're working on, their flaws, their character defects or um, their shortcomings. And then two things happen after that in my experience is that those people like get stronger and share even more and they continue to keep coming back after that initial time of that being vulnerable or you never see them again. And that's the, that to me is the frustrating part that they're still so engulfed in themselves that being vulnerable and being so engulfed in their head and themselves that keeps them, prevents them from coming back. They're like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I'm not going to come back. Boom. And then they, you never see them again. And you might see them down the road and on Facebook or they're using again. Um, but if they would have just came back and continued down that path, and they wouldn't have to go back out. So I understand that frustration of that. Um, <clears throat> people coming to 
the meetings and then they get vulnerable. Um, that's okay, man. That's what that's for. That's what those rooms are for. It's a safe space. And if anybody violates that, then they will be asked never to come back. They have violated that verbal contract of that room, of that space. If they talk about what you said outside of those rooms, then they're in violation, not you. Because uh, <clears throat> what I seen was those individuals that came, got vulnerable and continued to show up and continued to get vulnerable and speak on the topic and speak real recovery in those rooms. They're still sober today and they're still doing the thing. They're still walking the red road today. And those that didn't, those that didn't come into the rooms and get real, they're they're just cycling through the system. Unfortunately. And they will continue to cycle through the system until they get real with their emotions and see that it's okay to be vulnerable. I was confuses me like so many people bitch about being in a system and yet they continue to keep themselves there. Yeah. And we had this conversation before, remember? And you said that it's easier. Oh yeah. yeah, To go back, you know, I mean, it is, it is because you don't have to worry about shit. Right. It's like everything is, I mean, if they're telling you when to sleep, when to eat, what to eat, you know, you can go over here, but you can't go over there. You can go over here at this time, but you can't go over there at this time. You know, or you can do this. You could, I mean, man, fuck that, dude. Really? It just kind of pisses me off because I did it myself over and over, like early on. Man, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care. Just kept violating, kept getting, I was, I kept absconding. They even had me in the paper. Did I tell you about that? Huh. They, I don't know if they still do it, but in the Billings Gazette, they have every, like Monday, they have a new face in there, somebody that's on the Marshall's Wanted list. Yeah. Did you keep the clipping? <clears throat> no. no. I'm just kidding. But I remember I was, I remember I was laying <laughs> on my, sale, huh? <laughs> I remember I was laying on my sister's couch and I was sleeping. Man, I caught a cell phone to the face, I think. Oh. Damn. You know, she, blah, blah, blah. she was cussing me out. You're in the paper. And I was like, for what? She showed it to me, and sure enough, on a little sidebar there, there was my face, my name. Dang. And then it really said something like, uh, has a scar on his left leg. And I was reading it, and I was like, I don't have a scar on my left leg. And my knees tossed. She's like, oh, well, just show him your leg and say, it's, I'm not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking. Good thinking. See, I don't have a scar. It's not but, me. but, I mean, and, you know, and that whole time, in and out of, man, just in and out. And bitching about it all the time. This sucks. They always make us do this. We can't do it. I'm like, man, I didn't. I didn't freaking get it until I got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so now it's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to be all judgy and you know look down oh, no, on no, people. No. Fuck that. I I I had no. I got no ground to stand on if trying to do that. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's just it gets frustrating. Yeah. To hear somebody. Hear these guys talk like that, and yet they're still doing the same thing. Yeah, you're doing the same thing that puts you there, mm. and yet you got the 
The nerve. The nerve, or, you know, you got the mindset to actually complain about it. Like, you know, if I burn my hand by putting it on the stove, well, I'm probably not going to do that again because it hurt. Yeah. But no, over again. Oh, come, nothing's changing. It still hurts. It sucks. Well, stop doing it. Yeah. And the best and easiest way I found out was to, first of all, stop using. Yep. Like, that clears up so much shit. Oh, yeah. Right there. Like, if you stop using, you stop drinking, you stop, you know, trying to get that out there, you know, running lifestyle and those old kind of, that old mentality, the criminal thinking, all that shit, you got to get rid of it. But the easiest and quickest, or the easiest, one of the easiest things to do, I guess, well, maybe it's not easy, but what's the word I'm looking for? It's one of the the best things you can do. I guess yeah, like the best starting point, the best starting point is to stop using. Yeah. Then, then after that, you, you got some shit to figure out, but you've taken care of probably the biggest factor in that, you know, that yeah. shit that puts you under the influence and causes us to act and behave and do things that we wouldn't normally do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not us. Yeah. I don't believe that for anybody. I don't care who you are, where you're at, what you did. When you're drinking and using, you are a completely different person. Yep. But when you're not, that's the true you. Mm-hmm. Even though you still got those things in your head and you still got these, you know, um, uh, deeper issues that you got to figure out. Like, the true you is in there and everything you need. I said said this the other week, too, is you got to look inside yourself. Mm-hmm. That's where the light is at. But you got to dig through some shit to get there. Yep. And I think that's where people get uncomfortable because it's not comfortable. It's not fun to have to go through all that. And we all know what that's like Yeah, to have to fucking dig through our own bullshit. It's easy for me to point at other people's. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's pretty hard to look at myself (laughs) in the mirror and say, you did this. You did that. That's exactly what it is. Don't be lying to yourself anymore. And then just get rid of it. Yeah. That's hard, but it's. It's unavoidable. True. Yeah. Um, when I'm sitting here thinking when JC was talking is that mindset, that perspective change that you have to look at it, that they're not punishing me. They're trying to make me better. There you go. What are you focused on? Yeah. Right. What's your focus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you, you can tell the real people when they're tired of, bitching about what they're going through and they just do it. And, and slowly one of my um, people who I look up to is always talking about how you have to start acting and doing the next right thing. Then your Mm. mind will switch Mm. and you keep on pushing through. Then you're able to have a whole, when your mindset switches, that's when the, like that spiritual part starts coming forth too. And it's crazy. Like I wish I got it the first time, but the thing is, is the people who I looked up to didn't give up on me. So I don't give up on that person that doesn't get it. Like working at the clinic, I see all these repeats, like people who just got out of treatment and are drinking again and are coming back. And it's like, I want to be like, well, I, 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 
I told you, like, you need to go to meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I told get, you. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I told you what to do. Like, and they're like, I don't know what's happening. Well, did you use? Yeah. Well, I, I told you what to do. Go to meetings, get honest, and get real with not yourself, but others, too. Like, yeah. like stay away from your old crowd. And that's the thing is, like, people just, like, I understand exactly where JC is coming. I wish I could shake him and be like, just get it. Like, but. Yeah, like shake the shit out of him. Just <laughs> shake <him. laughs> But that's, n- that's not how they're going to get it. They're no. going to get it by us, like people like us, showing them that there is a different life to live. Mm. And it wraps back around to that Levin tradition. Like. If we show them through our actions that there is a better life to live, that we don't, we wear it on our sleeves that more people be willing, like our other programs, they believe in anonymity. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is anonymity was created back in the day when they were doctors and lawyers and high priced people out yep. there and they hid that so. They didn't lose business because of their drinking problem. Yeah, there's huge stigma. Yeah, and I, like, yeah, some people don't want to go around and say they're in recovery because they think that makes them weak. I don't think that. I think that makes you strong, that you're willing to go out there and change your life because you figured out that that person that you were using was not you that you had a problem and you're willing to do something about that, that makes you pretty damn strong when you're willing to put in the work. And I think in a lot of the recovery terms, we should not be using anonymity anymore because we all have that story to tell. And we'll be willing to, you catch more uh, flies with honey than shit. (laughs) So, Quit with all this bullshit of anonymity and <laughs> shed that uh, stigma and show people that we do recover. Yeah. And um, like Randy was saying, we all have different pathways, many pathways, right? Mm-hmm. And once we share our own pathway, maybe we'll gain a follower. We'll gain somebody that will walk with us on our road because they're going through that exact same thing. And you vibe with them and, <gasps> hey, come along, walk with me. Let's go. Just go then. Yeah, like what you're saying is really reminding me of, um, you know, something I read recently and I read early on, especially in recovery. Like that really helped me because I was really feeling frustrated early on because that first year year or two of recovery. Um, said it's not it's not our job to save people, but it's our, our job to model that better life and i think that we've all been saying that mm-hmm. here tonight that it's our job to show them that it is possible that recovery is possible um and that's what you know always brings me back to reality <laughs> you know as far as you know someone comes and asks for advice for recovery and he said i tell them okay this is what you need to do go to meetings i go to a meeting every day go for 90 to 90 um and some other suggestions I give them, and they don't do it. And they use again, like you said. They come back and like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> like I know exactly what happened. Man. You didn't do any of the shit I told you to do. 
when life got real, you chose the easy way out. Yeah. When, when you were unable to live life on life's terms, you turned to old solutions. Yeah. We gave you the tools, but you weren't willing to pick up and sculpt your own future. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> My mind went like a couple different places, man. A lot of like a lot of you guys, you guys hit on <laughs> you people. <laughs> no, you, you guys people. hit like, like a, on a <laughs> lot of good things, people. but like to JC's point, like accountability, right? Like, not it, it, it's kind of funny. Like, man, the big part of like recovery for anybody, no matter what pathway you're walking, is being accountable to those who have proven through their life what works for them. Um. But then I'm like, man, why do people struggle so much in being accountable? Mm. Myself included, right? Like, why did I struggle so bad? Like, why did I struggle so hard to be accountable in my walk? You know, and then the thought hits me like, man, it's all, yeah, I don't know. That's something else. But, you know, like accountability is is looked at as a bad thing when really it's like, man, like, hey, I'm struggling with this, like, and we have to learn that it's okay to not be okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's okay to have a bad day. But also, when you do have that bad day, like, the solution is not to drink. The solution is not to use. You know what I mean? Like, so we have to learn, like, really, it's almost like a deconstructing of what we live like for so long. Oh, yeah. So, so it's like, man, like, man, I used to go drink. I used to go, you know, do some dope. I used to go, like, do whatever the case may be, but it's like, man, like I'm recovering everything that my addiction took from me. You know, it's kind of almost like a battle and, and then like sharing with other people like, yo, like we have to look at like alcohol. We have to look at drugs like like an enemy because that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of our people, I know for myself, like a lot of our people will mourn the people that they've lost from drugs and alcohol using the same substance that took them from them. I know I was guilty of that, you know, and and I've said it before, like, man, like I've been a pallbearer 10 times and each and every one of those 10 people have died because of drugs or alcohol. Mm, mm, mm. And it's like, man, like no matter how hard life gets and it's gotten extremely hard recently, I understand that drugs and alcohol are not the solution. Yeah. You know, like I got my, I got my daughter looking up at me like, looking at how I respond to life on life's terms, right? And it's like, man, like, but you know what, man? I am I am a champion. You know, we are champions. Like champions of the circumstances that we may or may not have created ourselves. So it's like, I think at the end of the day, like when it's really not that deep, it is that deep. It is about life and death. Because we never know, like, man, that last time you go out, it, I mean, the, the time you do decide to go out, it could be your last time. That's how sneaky the enemy is. Like, that's how, you know, it's like it's like you're going fishing, right? And sometimes, like, I remember as a kid, like, we didn't have a fishing pole, but we had the, we had the line and we had a hook. And what we would do is we would set up, like, a set, set line, you know, waiting around for that, waiting around for that sucker to come and catch it like we didn't have to do it we just set that line because you know eventually something's going to come through and get that take that bite but i think about things like that and and then you were also talking about like anonymity like and when it's like we, you're trying to hide something for a reason 
Yeah. And then a big part of America is built upon appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, how do things appear to be when really it's those that are saying, you know what, man, I am jacked up, but you know what? I get up every day and I do my best. Yeah. I may not be your cup of tea. I may not be your cup of tea, but I guarantee somebody is going to drink from the cup that I offer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, you're my Auntie. cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but yeah, man. Like, I, I think it, it it's almost like a, it, it frustrates me the more I look at appearances because at the end of the day, man, everybody struggles. Man, we have things that we battle against, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, like I'm 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 just in the place in my life where I'm like, man, like I I don't want to, I don't know. You know, I want to be authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I think the part that I get frustrated at is how much people are afraid of authenticity. True. Like, why are we so afraid as a people? Like, why are we so afraid as, like, a, a human, like, being, like, to be our true self? Like, hey, man, I, I ain't got nothing against you if you drink or you do drugs. But for me, I can't. You know, like, and we have so many fun, like, I've been around, like, people, like, that are okay to have a beer. Yeah. But I understand at the end of the day, like, I can't have a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't because I know where it leads me to. I know if I drink that beer, I'm going to get a sack of dope at the end of the night. Mm, mm, mm. And then I'm going to go try to hide. Yeah. And not and be unreachable, you know? Yeah. So it's like, man, like for me, like wearing the recovery on our sleeve, like and it, it it's funny, bro, like I was reading your uh, I was looking up the term wellbriety today and I, I came across your article in Western Native Voice. Oh yeah, yeah. And the story that you shared was the exact story that I read today. Mm. Like how that man sat at the end of the bed and he just shared with you like the things that he went through. Mm. But it was something that you clung on to. Yeah. Early in sobriety, man, you clung on to it, and no matter what you went through as a man, like mm. you kept it. Yep. And now, like now, we have a podcast that's going on year three. Mm-hmm. Now you have that wellbriety uh, uh, thing that's going on. What year six, seven, eight, nine? Oh, uh, yeah, this will be year eight. Year eight. And check this out. We're on today's November 9th. Two days ago was the ninth year anniversary of my overdose when I suffered from an air embolism. Mm. And understanding like, yo, like I, I, I didn't want to put nothing on the on my main news feed, but I just kind of wrote something up on my notes. And I'm like, like I was reflecting on life because I was out at work all day. We didn't have service all day. Mm. And then on the way back in, like, man, this has been like, I know we did the check-in earlier, but there was a lot of things that were on my plate this week that made it extremely tough. Mm. And I'm like, man, like that morning before I left, I was like, I forgot about the ninth year anniversary because something happened. And I was like, man, like I got on my knees and I was like, man, God, like I can't do it. Like I, I don't even want to go to work today. Mm. Yesterday was a struggle. Like I don't even want to like, do anything mm. 
like, but you've called me to do this work. Like, and if, if you want me to go, man, you have to take this situation over. Mm. And I left and thankfully, man, like I didn't have cell phone coverage that, that day. Cell phone coverage. But then when I got back into cell phone range that afternoon, like, bro, like all these text messages and phone calls came in and I'm like, dog, like the news that I let go of that morning was actually answered. Mm. And I was thankful, man. Mm. But as I came home and, and we got home late that evening, as exhausted as I was, man, all I wanted to do was go home and chill. And then it hit me like, man, this is year, like ninth year anniversary of my overdose. Like I should have died nine years ago. Mm. And I looked at my daughter and I said, man, I go, Adriel, she said, come here. Gave her a hug. And I said, man, nine years ago today, I almost lost my life. Mm. And there is nothing I love more than being your dad. She didn't say nothing. She just put her head down and came and gave me a hug or let me hug her. And as a father... It occurred to me, man, that when I overdosed and I was going through that air embolism, there is no way that a, do- a doctor, medical professionals can't do anything to prevent the patient from expiring. Wow. But in that moment, when I was supposed to die, like I prayed, God, give me another chance to be her father. Give me another chance. And it amazed me that as God honored that prayer nine years ago, I was living out that prayer today, am living out that prayer today. That I've never let that go, that in the, de- in the depth of my addiction, my desire was to be a present dad to my daughter. And I'm not perfect, but nine years later, my daughter's 10 years old. She has a father that she can count on. And I was grateful Mm. and thankful. And it's like, man, like, there is nothing that I want more than to be a good example to my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, and she's looking at me and realizing, like, yo, like, My dad did this, this, and this, but he don't do that today. And because he don't do that, then maybe I don't have to do that either. And I think, like, at the end of the day, man, like, that's really, like, what it is, bro, like, to wear your recovery, right? Like, to, to, to be open about the things that you've gone through, to be open about the things that you've championed, to be open about the things that you've overcame, and it might look different for you. It might look different for for them, whoever it may be. But just know, like, man, the important thing is to grasp onto something and not let that go mm-hmm. because your motivation will die sometimes. Yeah. And that's when your discipline kicks in. The discipline to say, no matter what, I'm going to be sober today. Yeah. No matter what, I'm not going to drink today. Yep. Like, no matter what, I ain't going and getting a sack of dope today. And, man, those days will be tough. But at the end of the day, somebody is watching you recover your life. Mm. Mm. 
Oh, I think that's, that's very powerful, and it's like, um, power. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for JC. Um, no, that kind of, you kind of answered my next question. You know, the last question I was going to ask everybody, but I was going to read this, um, read the tradition again, and ask this question. It says each group member is carrying the message of their recovery. This message can cannot be hidden, and um, in order to share that message i think we've talked we've all talked about this you know we have to be vulnerable have to be um we have to be honest with ourselves we have to be honest with others <clears throat> and i wanted us to go around the horn rand you kind of you kind of touched on this already with what you just now said and um but i want us to go around the horn what helps you stay vulnerable or what helped you get vulnerable? What helped you get honest with um, <clears throat> with yourself and start start down that path of recovery and being vulnerable? I guess you know. I'll give you guys if you need time to think about it. You can, and I'll go first to answer this question. <clears throat> um, and I shared it initially, like with it was that individual. That came and sat on my bed and shared his experience, strength, and hope. Like he didn't have to do that. He was very vulnerable in that. You know, you know, he didn't know how I was gonna react or take it. You know, I could have been like, man, get the F out of here. I don't wanna hear that shit, you know, blah blah blah. Which probably happens and it's happened to me. You know, when I've shared, I've gotten backlash. Or even been vulnerable and asked for forgiveness from somebody and they just said, Ah, oh, bullshit. And believe me. Um, so that piece right there has really helped me that viewing and seeing others be vulnerable. Um, <clears throat> and those other RTs that as I went through treatment, they were vulnerable with me. And they, they also, there was two other ones there aside from this initial individual, two other ones that shared their experience, strength and hope with me and talked about, their lives today it was those three sharing that piece what their lives look like today and i was like man i want that so bad there's just like this hunger inside of me like man i want that you know and it was a very simple life that they led you know they got up showered went to work went home had dinner hit a meeting went back home did whatever watched tv watched a movie went went to bed and did it over again Man, that sounded so comforting to me and so like relieving. <clears throat> um, and that's what that that was that was, that's been the drive for me, you know, like okay, they were they got vulnerable. They shared their experience, strength, and hope in that way, and it helped me. So it's like that's part of that. I just want to help. That's been driving me to continually be vulnerable. And there is frustrations, you know, and there is an acceptance of that whenever I've shared my experience, strength, and hope. But for the most part, there is, you know, I've been getting, um, I've been, I've gotten people that are very receptive. And that's where I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm helping. Um, so that's been... That's what's helped me, you know, to be vulnerable and to stay vulnerable and be honest with my recovery, you know, and also that fear 
whenever I've gotten triggered and having that euphoric recall and wanting to, uh, beer would be good. Or, you know, a shot of Bacardi Limon would be good right now. Like, when I have those thoughts, I play the tape all the way through to the bitter end. It's like, where, where is this going to take me? It's going to take me to a dark place where I'm all by myself and I don't want to live anymore. So that thing right there, where it takes me, has also been a drive to continue to stay vulnerable and honest with myself. Um, <clears throat> but I'll stop there, as JC says, and open up to you to take off your moccasins. <clears throat> And wiggle your piggy toe. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? What helped me? What was vulnerability? Really, it was all that pain, right? And all that negative shit, like the, the shame, the guilt, anxieties, depression, low self-image, all that bad stuff that I was holding inside of me, man. I that was. It was it was painful. It hurt, mm-hmm. and it was miserable, and it sucked. And I just wanted to get rid of it. And I, and I also found a safe space to where I realized that man, once I started letting go of all that, getting it out, and releasing it, and you know, in that you have to be vulnerable. Like, okay, I'm not okay. Like, I'm I'm I'm, I'm afraid. Or I did this and I'm ashamed and I did this and it was embarrassing and I did this. Or, you know, I feel like this is who I am. You know, I feel like a POS or whatever. But getting all that out in a safe space helped me realize, man, like I, I don't have to hold on to this. I don't have to have it all the time. I don't have to cling on to it. I don't have to white knuckle it every day. I don't have to use or drink to forget about it for a few hours and then just be even more miserable later on. I mean, that's really what, I guess it it is the fact that I found a safe space to get it all out because it was the pain that pushed me over the edge. Like, I don't want, I don't want this anymore. Mm. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to cry at night by myself in the dark. I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to hurt my family. I don't want to hurt my kids. I don't want to, you know, um, have my mom have to pray for me that she don't, they don't find me in a ditch. Mm. somewhere um and that and the fact that somebody told me that being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength Mm. and it took me a while to kind of figure that one out for myself but then i realized okay well being vulnerable is one of the hardest things that we got to do and you have to tap into your inner strength and everybody's got it I'm not going to sit out, sit here and say, oh, you, you, you're not vulnerable, so you're weak. No, it's the exact <laughs> opposite. It's like everybody has that strength within them to be vulnerable and to let you know, to um, get over that, that part of it. But we just, like, I didn't tap into it. I didn't tap into that inner strength and, and say, okay, I am strong enough to be vulnerable. Because to be vulnerable, you're putting yourself out there and to withstand everything that you think. Okay, so like going back to what Craig said earlier, you know, um, he's talking about, you know, how you think of things. Like, you know, I said, what are you focused on? But really, it's like your perception is your reality. If I go around with the mindset that people will hurt me, then the world becomes a dangerous place. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right? Or if I go around thinking, well, these being in the criminal justice system, they're just trying to hold me back. They want me to fail. They want me to go back. That might be the case. It might be true. I don't know. They're not going to tell you that. They won't tell you the truth. But even if it is, guess what? I can prove you wrong. I can get out of it because there is a way. There is a pathway. Mm-hmm. I can reach for that positivity. And so it's like, okay, what is my perception of it? What is my perception of vulnerability? It's a sign of strength. Because to sit here and listen to something like Randy just shared with us, Mm -hmm. and that's not only is, I'm not going to use that word. (laughs) (laughs) Not only is that a strong and important message, but I bet you the first time he shared that, it wasn't easy. But as you keep going, you keep saying it. And now it's mm. just like, man, I can, I can, I'll tell you this all day. If it helps you out. Yeah. Right? And it, and it gets easier. Being vulnerable gets easier after a while. It's almost like, huh, man, you know, like I talk to you guys all the time. Like, man, i freaking flipping out from anxieties and I can't even, you know, do this and I can't even do that. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that's like and I understand. And have you tried this? And, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, that's the other part of it. Like, if I'm vulnerable, then the other people will say, okay, well, you need some assistance. You need a little guidance. You need a little help. Mm-hmm. And asking for help ain't easy either. Like, I've man, I don't know how many people in this last week I've heard say, oh, I don't ask anybody for anything. I'm like, well, why? Yeah. I mean, why not? First of all, you didn't ask. I gave it to you. Second of all, you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. But I get it. I completely and totally get it. Like, that hang-up of, you know trying to be self-sufficient. Now I got to stand on my own two feet and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't, you're not alone. You're ne- we're never alone ever. And I've said it a thousand times before. I'll say it again. I'm by myself most of the time, but I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And so like, those are some of the things that really helped me with that vulnerability. Number one was finding that safe place to be vulnerable and get used to the idea. And second thing was, you know, your perspective, your perception, your perce- your perception is your reality. And if I see it as a strength and not a weakness, then I can go forward with that. Uh-hoo. 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 So. Oh, one more thing. And besides that, I don't <laughs> give a shit anymore what anybody thinks of me. Uh-hoo. Uh-hoo. Words of wisdom right there. <laughs> so. I'm sitting here thinking about, like, when's the first time I got vulnerable with somebody during this journey. And sitting here, it was my, my little cousin who just passed. And it was right after a big relapse, and we're sitting on the couch. I have, like, a month or two sober, and I'm about to take him back home to his dad. And I'm sitting there telling him, like, I don't think I can drink again that – I'm telling him what's going on in my heart and my mind. And we've never really been that vulnerable with each other. And he just looked at me. He's like, well, just, just don't then because you matter to people that he started telling me everything that I wanted to hear that I was able to be vulnerable with this person that we usually just, drink and use together and he's telling me that hey you matter to people that you're gonna do great things once like you get a little bit of time underneath your belt and 
I didn't think at that time that it was possible, but he gave me hope. And that hope that it might get better is what I grasped onto in early recovery. And each time I have gotten vulnerable with somebody, it's I out of the dozens of times, it's only bit me in the butt once, but that's besides the point. But I'm sitting here like I remember going over the steps with my sponsor and the fourth step, I got vulnerable with him. After I got done with all of, all of my crap, he, he stood up, we hugged, and he said, I love you. And that touched me so much. Like, stuff like that in my life is what keeps me going. When I'm vulnerable with somebody, it's usually benefits me so much. And when I'm able to bear my heart to somebody and they're it comes back way better than I've ever think. Like whenever I get vulnerable with somebody, the anxiety of, is it going to turn out well, or is it going to turn out like that one time? Mm -hmm. It, it sometimes that like it puts up a barrier. Then I have to go through my mind. Like, no, it's, it's fine. It's going to be fine because you're fine. Go ahead, be vulnerable with this person, and it's going to be okay. And as long as I'm able to solidify that in my mind and open up, like, it's it's amazing on how it can take you from one moment where you're scared, but that vulnerability allows you to show somebody into yourself and a lot of people look at me and they're like, oh, this big scary guy, I don't want to talk with him. And when I'm vulnerable to that person and show them that I too am scared of certain things, I too hurt inside, they're able to connect with me so much. And what's funny is, like, the person who was Josiah is sitting here talking about, I met that guy inside of jail. And he asked me, what do I want? And I said, I, I want to be a better person for not only myself, but for others. And he said, well, as long as you know that in your heart and you're willing to open up with others, you're going to do great things, just like my cousin said. And earlier while I was in a talking circle, I'm sitting there and we're talking about the topic and whatnot. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I didn't ask to be put in this position where I'm willing, like where I'm at. I, well, I asked the creator for a better life and he gave it to me and it's my job to walk this life and be vulnerable. So others know it's possible. Mm. And it's crazy to even think of that, that person who was sitting there tearing up with his cousin because he was scared of the future is here saying like, yeah, it's, it's possible as long as you're willing to put in the work, as long as you're willing to open up, as long as you're willing to not let your mind sit. Like after my cousin passed, it, it ate at me like the first couple of days. Cause I didn't want to open up. I was scared. 
I was super scared because he was my ace deuce. <laughs> he was my number one cheerleader. He was there from the start, you know? Yeah. But, and I was reverting into old thinking. I was like, man, he was the last person I drank with. Maybe I have a drink in his name. Mm. And it, that thought came up and I'm like, no, he wouldn't want that. He would want me to actually open up to somebody, tell somebody I'm hurting. And that's what I did. And that person was like, let's go hit a meeting. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And I was able to be vulnerable with that person. And they got me out of that funk. I had a whole group of guys that I was able to be vulnerable to. Mm. And they were able to pull me out of the depths that I was creating inside my heart. And it's stuff like that that works in my life that as long as I'm vulnerable to others, that the creator has put so many people in my life that they're willing to uplift me to a point where I can uplift somebody else when they feel that way. And that's what keeps me able to be vulnerable is because that first conversation, that conversation with my sponsor when he said, I love you, and I felt so scared that I just opened up to that person, and that it it's just amazes me the opportunities the creator puts in my life when I get vulnerable to another human being. Mm. I know you touched on it a little bit. Do you want to expound? Not uh, not really. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I know because like through your whole talk, you were like you already like speaking to it. Yeah, no, uh, no, I'm good on. Yeah, he said he gets vulnerable because he really loves hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> and the buns, <laughs> the with buns an <laughs> with an N. <laughs> 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 No, I think that um, you guys are talking about the BS of like anonymity and like hiding behind that and stuff. Like I've, I've gotten no's to come on the podcast because of that, you know. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't judge them. I was like, okay, yeah. You know, I've asked individuals that I know in recovery, but they're like, I don't want to break the anonymity. And I was just like, all right, cool, whatever, you know. <clears throat> um. Be scared to go to church. I know. Like, hey, man, you know that little white speck on chicken shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, finish it, JC. That little white speck is chicken shit, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that, but <clears throat> anyway. So, I mean, it is out there, and there is people that really are strict about that, and that's fine. I mean, if that's what it takes for you to stay in recovery, then cool, man. That's, I mean, like Randy said, that's not my cup of tea, though. Yep. You know, I'll I'll tell anybody I'm in recovery. And it's kind of like in my work now, I find that it's like a, you know, medical healthcare professional settings, but I still, I'll say it, but I can feel people kind of like look at me different. Yeah. So I get that part, you know. Yeah. Like if you're a doctor and then like, you don't want to disclose that information to your coworkers because of what they'll think of you, you know, like then they'll start ousting you and stuff. Okay. That's cool. Um, but 
Yo, I don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I'm, the, I'm the same way because, you know, the people that matter don't care and the people that care don't matter. Mm-hmm. Right, like, because so, I mean, everybody that's close to me and everybody that met, they already know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they all had front row seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah front row seats to the shit show. <laughs> yeah, but the shit show inside a dumpster fire, man. <laughs> and so, like, it's not like I can say, oh, well, you know, mom, I'm, 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 I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not an addict. Bullshit, I saw you passed out on my living room floor. <laughs> You drank up all my perfume. <laughs> good thing she doesn't wear perfume. Probably would have. I stole all her chump change off her dresser many times, though. Not something I'm proud of. For those reserves. Huh? For those reserves, yeah. But that's exactly what it was, too. Um, but, you know, like, I know, right? Heartburn. But, um, man, it's it's like, well, I can't hide it anyway. And then, you know, outside of that circle of the people that, you know, matter to me. It's like, okay, you can look at me. You can say whatever you want about me. You know, I mean, I don't like people talking about me. I'll go up and say, Hey, keep my name out your mouth. But, Slap. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's like, whatever, dude, like you, you go ahead and judge me if you want. Like, there, and I've said this before too. You've got heard me say this is like, there's nothing you can say about me that isn't any, like, that's no worse than I fucking said about myself. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I mean, I don't need you to put me down. I'm pretty good at it myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, you might as well save your breath for somebody else. But I mean, as far as you know, anonymity, it's like I don't care either. I mean, can't hide it now. We're like 159 episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> We're three years in. <laughs> three years in. And you know, so like I said, man, the people that matter don't care, and the people that care, they don't matter. Yeah. Fuck them. And they ain't kicking dust. <laughs> and you cussed five times on this episode. <laughs> For me? Yeah. Well, shit, let's make it a couple more. <laughs> let's make it a baker's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get some air horns and let's kind of change the mood and we'll close this out. Uh-huh. I know, I know. Nice air horns, nice air horns. All right. Hey. Oh, oh. Nice. nice air horns. Nice Here's air horns. We hope you'll really enjoy the neck flaps. Hey! Hey, Matacho! Oh. <laughs> Damn, I wish that was longer. I'm going to have to re record that one. I know. You're going to jump on your guitar again. Oh, man. I wish you guys could have seen it. They did it in unison, too. Oh, that was good. That was good. That was awesome. That was really good. Oh, hey, let's close out. Let's get um, NBA. NBA. Your team's doing good. The Timberwolves. Yeah, number one ranked defense in the NBA, baby. Yeah. And they beat the the Nuggets. Yes. Man, that was impressive. That was yes. impressive. It gave uh, Celtics their first loss, too. Yeah. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. Those, those T-Wolves. Those one yeah. guys, remember? And then, yeah. No, they've been doing good, man. I think, I really hope we really turn a corner this year. And then I was also reading before we came over here, they had five straight sold-out games. Nice. And that hasn't happened in a long while. Dang. That's pretty good. That's yeah. Pretty good. Mike I Conley. Know. Uh, turnover in the first game, first possession, hasn't had a turnover since. And that's very impressive. Yeah. Hard to do. Yeah, especially at that level. Yeah. I mean, them dudes is quick. 
you know, and they're like, they got game plans that they go through. They know your tendencies. They know you, they read you like a book. Percentages. Yeah. And for not to not have a turnover since the very first game. And that's really impressive. Got to be good at protecting your balls. Yeah. 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 Very. No turnovers. (laughs) No. Turnovers, good dessert. How about uh, <laughs> wow? You went about three different things there. Cool. <laughs> uh, how about uh, Wemby? Oh. Watching that dude, bro, dude, man, he's ridiculous. It's crazy, huh? He just he looks like Slender Man, and <laughs> yeah, he goes and jams that hoop like if we were playing on like an eight foot mini hoop, mini hoop, little Nerf hoop. You see him uh, like pick up the ball at the three po- at the top of the key at the top of the three point line, yeah. And just like took his two steps and then just jammed on like three people. Yeah, like, bro. Those are grown ass men he's dunking on. That's crazy. They beat uh K D and the Suns twice. Like yeah. like one night, like back to back nights, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I thought, damn. No, I know. The one surprise that I was kinda shocked with the Suns was that they they got my boy Grayson Allen over there. Yeah. I was like, Oh, all right, all right. No, I mean like He's my type of dude, you know. He's the type of dude he went on your team, man. He ain't scared, man. He'll kick you in the nuts, kick you in the head. <laughs> got that? He's uh, crazy. Got that eighties mentality, huh? Yeah, yeah. And like, he's scrappy as hell. And like he took the ball down one of those games. I forget who they were playing, but he took it down. And he just jammed on everybody. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You do do that. You do that, Grayson. But he's all got gray hair now. Oh, I was like, damn. Oh, man. So it's not just a clever name. Hmm. He's getting gray hair. I was like, he ain't that old, is he? You've been in the league about 10 years? Yeah. Uh, that's my boy. Though. Been quite a while. He'll kick you. Yeah, watch out. In the balls. He will, mm. too. Been waiting for, yeah, Wemby, like, the other night, like, he, at the end of the game, to win it, like, he grabbed the rebound, but OG, like, on an OB, yeah, like, yeah. hit it out of his hand, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I was telling somebody, I was like, man, what if he like beefs up like freaking Giannis? Yeah, that's dog, a, it's over. It's over, man. Checkmate. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be like a dynasty. Yeah, because they're showing like if he starts hitting the weights now, like in his prime, like prime Wemby, it's gonna be looking like Giannis. Yeah, like nah, it's, it's over. Dog, we're seeing like the raw Wemby right now. Yeah. He had what twenty nine nine and five the other night too. And nineteen. String yeah. bean. Oh. He's nuts. And like his handles. Dog. Dude, his handles. He's just like boom, boom, scissor dribble, pull up. Like just like effortlessly. Boom, splash, three pointer. You see that one? The when he got fouled? Yeah. Yeah. I'm only seeing highlights right now and yeah. I'm just like, oh goodness sakes. Yeah. You you seen the one when in I think it was preseason though when he dribbled it he's Dribbling it down, and he threw it between the dude's legs and caught it and kept on going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, five holding. <laughs> yeah, and this is like on a professional. Yeah. I'm just like, dang. Yeah, and he's like freaking eight feet tall. <laughs> I know, man. It's nuts. I think this is just like the beginning of like the league just turning into like seven footers. Mm. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. In like ten years, you know, there's like. No six footers, you know. Point guards are like six ten. I mean, they all they they're all out there anyway, handling yeah. the ball, shooting from three. KD, 
Yeah. Like a point forward. Yeah. Yeah. Wemby, point center. Dang. Point center. And the centers are like eight feet. Damn. And they're going to have to raise that roof to raise the rim to like 10, 12 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Something. A, a six-footers ain't got no chance now. Yeah. Not even in the perimeter. Mm. They'll, they'll, they'll guard you out there, too. Yeah, did you see that one? It was like the very first game. Like Wiggins hit him, and backed him up all the way to the key. He pulled up, and he still got out there and blocked him. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dang. Even like um, Steph Curry, what is he, like 6'3", 6'4"? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty tall. Yeah. I mean, he's he looks small out there compared to them other dudes, and, and he's running around, he's quick and stuff, and he's got – the ability to make create space, even if he doesn't, man, he's pretty slick with the ball. So, yeah. But like he, just him, he looks small out there. Yeah. But he's like, if you're six three and you're one of the smaller guys, yeah. man, you can only imagine if you go stand next to those other dudes and like, oh, fuck. It's crazy how the game has changed in the last twenty years. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's positionless. It's positionless basketball. Yeah. It is now. Kinky. <laughs> positionless. Yug. <laughs> no, it was it last May? Like, one of the shockers for, like, uh, he used to be on Denver at uh, Austin Rivers. Mm-hmm. Like, on TV, he looks like, you know, like, probably, like, tall as me and JC, you know, like, six foot. Yeah. Right around there. And, like, he was checking into the game. Man, he was huge. Like, six four, six five, And I was like, damn, this guy <laughs> tall, man. He stood up from the bench and was walking to the scores. And I was like, damn, is that Austin Rivers? You know? Yeah. I was sitting. I wasn't sitting with my family. I was sitting off but to the side with a Lakers fan. This guy came all the way from L.A. to watch the game. Damn. And then I was like, is that Austin Rivers? He was like, damn, he's tall. And like, I was, we were just chopping it up the whole game. You remember uh, Mike Bibby? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> my dad watched him when he was playing at Arizona. And he was mm-hmm. watching him on TV. And he's like, he doesn't look like that. Like he looked small right there, but when he when he saw him, he said he was pretty tall too. Wow. Like man, the the smaller guys you see on that court, and they're real life. They're and they're they're the small ones. Yeah, yeah. I remember my brother was telling me when he met Gary Payton. Remember they used to come and do like exhibition games here at the Metro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, said he was just at MS. He was going to MSC Billings at the time, and he was going over to go shoot around in the gym and here the Supersonics were in there. Okay, doing a shoot around. So Gary Payne came out of the gym, walked out of the gym, went to the water fountain. He said he was standing there. He's like, damn, that boy's tall. Damn. He looks small on the screen on the TV. About 6'2", 6'3". Yeah. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Did you start doing those, what do you call them, bareback stretches? Yeah, I got to get the bareback stretches in there, boys. Get a couple. Ah, never mind. Yeah. No, did you? <laughs> get yourself a couple inches. <laughs> You know, like I just recently found out that that's an actual like stretch. thing, like an actual stretch. It's uh like those circle things and those diamond things that you can lay on. That's what it is, like a foam roller. Yeah, I got one of those. Yeah, so there's 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 a, like a model <laughs> that they're called bear, bear back stretches. Mm, gotta create the mangoes. And like I've been saying this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been saying this for like I like I heard a guy say it in. High school, where we're getting ready for a basketball game, he said, "Yeah, we got them bird back stretches." And then, like me and Hank, while well, we busted all laughing, and we just kept saying that the whole season. Like we were thinking, like a bear back rider, yeah, like doing no stretches, and um, but it's a real thing, and I didn't even know that. When you see them buying the shoots, and they're 
Yeah, and they're doing those stretches and their shaps and yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, I kind of went a different way with that, but we won't talk about that. This is a family show. Yeah, so open gym, Sundays, 1 to 3. You got to get your burr back stretches in, boys. If you don't, you shall hurt your legs. Yeah, mm. be like JC out of commission for a while. When do you think, when's your return to open gym? Well, the way it feels right now, it might be a couple weeks. Okay. Especially if I got to do my job by myself, because, man, that's, it's a physical thing. Yeah. Still hurt them. Oh, yeah. It's, um, oh, man, I think it's called the scola. That's what you got? Yeah. Well, there's three muscles in your calf, right? Is it contagious? Well, (laughs) I don't know, but it's So far, it hasn't been. Okay, good. But anyway, those two muscles that, you know, like at the back, and then there's that one small one underneath. Yeah. And it's that one underneath. Tour? Mm. Oh, it's just a strain or a pull. Oh, okay. Did they say why there's a little bubble? I, I, they didn't, I told them about that, and they were like, eh, they didn't know what I was talking about. Remember <laughs> that? Like, yeah, I mean, that, it looked like almost like it was a blister starting yeah. or whatever. I think that was just my vein. Interesting. <laughs> but I, but I'm I not a doctor. <laughs> but you looked at it. Like, oh, <laughs> you were looking I, at his vein. Yeah, because I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> not a doctor, but I played one on TV. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's a good place to end it there. <laughs> we we're going good. <laughs> I took a, a sharp left. <laughs> All right, hey Karen, that's good, man. She's excited for Thanksgiving. I always give her some stuffing. <laughs> I can't say nothing around y'all. I can't say nothing. See, now you know how I feel. Now you know how I feel, bro. Daddy loves stuffing. She lost that stove top, man. That's what I'm saying. You know, that cranberry sauce. Put some of that cranberry on there, yes, sir. <laughs> got some more cranberry sauce for you. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Let's end this. <laughs> call, I call game. <laughs> All right, so to all our listeners out there all over Flat Earth, we love you. We appreciate you. Bago, and you don't even know heart. Bye. And to our unspoken words, disciples, keep spreading unspoken words, gospel, Billy Graham style. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. I love you. Be kind to yourself. Oh, and we'll see you next week at our special edition. But I'm cut off now. Shouldn't So just wanted to say many a hoes to Mr. Doni for joining us. A who? A who? A who?